two artists walk into a bar. Now stop me if you've heard this one. Listen in as artists and creators talk over drinks about their work, life, and the creative journey. Thanks for tuning in to episode number 15 of Two Artists Walk Into a Bar. I'm your host artist, Carol McQuaid. Our guest today is visual artist and author of my new fave book, Eerie Dearies, 26 Ways to Miss School, Rebecca Chaperone. Our bar is the Shameful Tiki Lounge on Main Street, where volcanoes explode and so does the decor, but the giant mystery bowls are perfect for sharing. We'll talk art shows, galleries, the magic of Instagram, and what happens when famous folks share your posts and buy your paintings. You'll find links to Eerie Dearies, Rebecca's artwork, and more on our website at twoartistswalkintoabar.com. If you enjoy the show, subscribe on iTunes. And if you love the show, head to the website where you can buy us our next round. Now let's head to the Shameful Tiki Lounge and listen in to all the eerie and wonderful stories of artist Rebecca Chaperone. Cheers. Here I sit in this unbelievable tropical paradise with my new friend, Rebecca Chaperone. That's right. Excellent. And we are in the Shameful Tiki Lounge. Am I saying that right? Yeah, yeah, tiki and who just walked in here but... I'm Mr. Beach, by the way, everyone. How y'all doing here today? <laughs> doing good. Good, good, good. First time, I know you've been here before. First time visit? First time for me. Awesome. If it is your first time visit and there's two of you, I always recommend the Mystery Bowl. It's our two-person cocktail. Best way to explain this is if you ever had a perfect sunrise, sunset, and a really nice cocktail in your hand, definitely the mystery bowl. When it comes to the food menu, I always recommend the nachos because they're good every single time. We're and here for the bowls, Mr. Beach. Oh, so we're <laughs> going to do what we call the uh, mystery bowl for two? Should we do that? Yes. Yep, we're in. All right, let's make that your world. Right on. Excuse the reaches. <laughs> you have brought me to a whole nother world here, Rebecca. I aim to please. That's what I want to do with my artwork. So this is just an extension of that. It is. Yeah. And it kind of is an extension of your artwork. Yeah. So, so many things I'm excited to talk to you about, about okay. your work. Let's start with the first thing I knew about you was as I hit Rove last year, doing the art walk that happens along Main Street in Vancouver, I walked into your studio and I saw your beautiful book. Aww. Tell me about your book. <laughs> so, do you have a copy of that? I don't. Okay, well, now might be a good segue. I brought you a copy of it. <gasps> <Yeah. laughs> <laughs> this interview just got so much better. Here you go. <laughs> oh my God, okay. this is awesome. So, the book is called Eerie Dairies 26 Ways to Miss School. And each illustration. Oh. Oh. I think this is for us. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> wow. Okay, just for, for our listeners, since you're not our viewers, there is a flaming bowl of something. Oh, and now two foot long straws for us. So yeah, we're what sharing could be better a drink than this? that's served in a ceramic shell and is on fire. <laughs> Cheers. Cheers. Oh, yes. So Eerie Dairies really was, uh, how it started was I had done an exhibition with little schoolgirls painted onto book covers, and I decided that I would paint them on book covers and then cut them to fit into all these little ornate frames. So it was just a small exhibition that I did, and then a publisher came and saw that show, and he invited me to come up with a concept for a book, and I had no idea what I was doing. 
That's a fairly rare happening for an yeah. artist showing a... Where was this show? It was at Little Mountain. Yeah, it's sort of just off Main Street in Vancouver. And so it took a few years to come up with what the structure would be. We decided to do an ABC structure. I really liked Edward Gorey's famous book, Gashley Crumb Tiny. It's an ABC book, but it's really dark. And so I was like, I could do something like that, but I can't figure out how to put together a story. So... Yeah, A is for astral projection and B is for brokenhearted. And it just gave me a chance to express these little schoolgirls who are missing school in all these like random and strange ways. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wonderful. Yay. I'm going to blow these flaming candles out. Okay. Because they're making me nervous. Yeah, I'll get one. You get the other. <laughs> okay, we're safe now. We we're can safe. carry on. Yes. <laughs> no fire hazards in sight. <laughs> okay. So what did you think? How did you feel when they approached you at that show and made that offer? And- um, well, it was, it was, they emailed me. They had gone to see it after it had opened. And it felt really good because I had like put a lot of effort into trying to make it like a fun um, show like people dressed up as like schoolgirls for the opening I had a cake that was decorated with the schoolgirl figure on it and so it was nice to put an effort in and then see this like weird energetic thing kind of come back that I had never intended or imagined mm-hmm. it felt it felt good for sure and where are the books now? Where do people get them? So the books can be found um, definitely on Amazon. You can buy them online. And they tend to be in a lot of like gallery bookstores. Um, so I kind of discovered that the distributor tends to put them into gallery bookstores. So I'd have people sometimes contacting me from, you know, like the MoMA or whatever. And they'd be like, I saw your book in the bookstore. And I was like, that's amazing. Wow. I went to Australia last year and I found it in the MCA, the Museum of contemporary art in Sydney it was in the bookstore there so it's kind of nice to have my art in some of those spaces yeah Yeah. no kidding and how far into your art career were you at the point when that happened yeah Yeah. not far at all what's your background did you go to art school or you did I went to Emily Carr Mm -hmm. yeah yeah and what was that experience like it was good it was uh I had gone to like an art college previously, so I went to Kwantlen, and everything there was very practical, and uh, you were learning a lot of processes, so I was used to very hands-on kind of like learning. When I went to Emily Carr, there was a lot more talking about concept, um, so it was a, quite a bit different. So I found my comfort there was working in printmaking, where people still are like really talking about processes and hands-on things. Yeah, you're speaking um, my language. Yeah, so <laughs> people wouldn't really question your subject matter very much and you kind of do what you wanted and I feel like that was right for me because I didn't have life experience or concepts that I really wanted to express at that point. Mm -hmm. So you did the art school thing and then uh, went straight into studio work or what was your trajectory? I guess after I graduated, I kind of took my little portfolio and tried to get some shows. It's very good. Thank you. Um, And, you know, I just, I didn't get any shows. And that wasn't really the way that it was going to work for me. So I kind of just started doing like craft shows and things like that, where I was amongst my friends, amongst my community, people who made all kinds of different things. And I would sell like little tiny paintings and drawings and things like that. So... That was a way for me to kind of make what I was making and share it with people. 
And obviously I've come a long way since, since then, but I definitely recommend for artists that aren't finding like their space that that's something that you can do. Yeah. Yeah. Reaching a different market and yeah, and, uh, exactly. yeah it's more accessible. Yeah. And I have collectors that met me at that time and have continued to purchase my work on an ongoing basis since then. So it's nice to grow together. Yeah, yeah, nice. So I've seen some of the paintings from this series, from Eerie Deeries. What do you have going on in your studio right now? So right now I'm preparing for a show at the Reach Gallery in Abbotsford. So that runs from May to September. I'm going to be showing a lot of my work there, 20 pieces pretty much. And that's a, that's the most I've showed in one space at any time. They're boring old work from different collectors as well um, but I made a number of new larger pieces uh, what's larger to you five by six and four by five so those are big for me the space there is really big super high ceilings and everything so I just felt like I wanted to have something a bit bigger there that would take up more space mm-hmm. and it seems like the right space for it. So I've been working on those pieces and the series is called Fabled and I'm just looking at kind of um, some of, I've I've always been interested in storytelling but then I kind of stumbled upon Joseph Campbell's writing and he writes about comparative mythology sort of taking all these different stories across cultures and boiling them down to these like individual points in the hero's journey like different transformation phases and things like that. So it's been fun to read that and kind of look at how I want to illustrate those points myself. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and give me an example of one. So he has a step in the hero's journey that he calls in the belly of the whale. And this is the point, it's sort of the hero's darkest point. And that's always been something that's fascinating to me because it's a point at which you have the room for the most transformation. Um, so I'm, I based a new work called Offering on this idea of being in the belly of the whale in this moment where you're kind of surrendering yourself to uh, transform and basically become something different that is going to be able to cope better with your surroundings. So in that image, I have like a dock and there's a woman lying on the dock naked and she has like on the dock are some candles and some snakes and things like that. And it's kind of a very somber piece. Mm -hmm. Yeah, she's just kind of waiting, offering herself up. As you're making these creations, Mm -hmm. is it... A little bit, I mean, not the imagery, but the concept. How autobiographical is it? How much of your own life experience is making its way and being expressed in these pieces? I think a ton of it, yeah. but not a particular moment in mm-hmm. time. Yeah. So I don't know if that makes sense. It's almost like I'm expressing my perspective, mm-hmm. which is built out of all of the experiences that I've had. Right. Not one particular moment. Right. Not yeah. working through. Uh, yeah. yeah. A particular trauma. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Okay. We, we won't make it into a therapy session. Yeah. <laughs> Let me tell you. Yeah. <laughs> Don't get me started. Yeah. <laughs> so, so you've got this new series going. The work that is in the show is some of it is already in the hands of collectors. Yeah. The big pieces too, are they... Um, well, actually, yeah, one of them sold sort of in between me finishing it 
and before it's being sent off to the gallery. So that's exciting. That mm -hmm. doesn't always happen. Yeah. So the other larger pieces are still available, and I haven't really promoted them too much or put them out there. It takes a while because it's finishing the work, yeah, and then getting it documented mm -hmm. and varnished. Yeah, yeah, having to wait. And <laughs> are all you, of that stuff takes time. Are you painting in acrylic or yes. what? Yeah, acrylic. acrylic. So once you finish, once you're painting towards a show, yeah, are you a little bit protective of the work? Like, I don't want it to sell at this point. No, I, want, no. I always want my work to sell because I make a lot of work and the I feel more like... Uh, I don't want my work to build up in the studio. I feel like that's sort of suffocating a little bit. Mm -hmm. And I always want there to be room for new pieces to be made. Right. Yeah. I have a lot of new ideas. So I'm always excited to sell my work. And what are your new ideas? I don't know. I think because a couple of these pieces have been really, like, complicated. A lot of little tiny things in them. I'm really looking forward to making some big, simple pieces where the composition is like pretty straightforward or central composition not like having to balance all these like crazy little objects in one landscape so I'm I'm looking forward to making some work that's a little faster yeah and a little more simple giving yourself yeah. some breathing room on yeah, the yeah exactly on, yeah and you are painting towards a show at the reach right now that's you've right. got work in your studio do you have other gallery representation or places that people can go and see what you're doing yeah so mainly in Vancouver I work with art rental and sales at the Vancouver Art Gallery mm -hmm. so they're my main people here and so you can always go in their showroom and they're they'll pull out whatever art they have of mine mm -hmm. and then in Toronto I, I've been working with parts gallery recently okay. yeah, and that's it how did now. that that's an, an awesome gallery how did yeah. that come about uh, so well basically <laughs> I stalked them <laughs> stalking is um, very effective yeah. sometimes yeah well I think what is important as an artist, if you're interested in a gallery, like really look around and compare the galleries and go in and talk to them and really think, you know, is this a place you could see yourself? Mm -hmm. And do you even like the other art that they show? Maybe not all of it, but you should like, you know, a, at least a third, I would say. Right. Um, because it it means that there's going to be a better chance that they're going to sell your art. Yeah, the um, right clients are walking in the door. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, so I went to Toronto last year and I had a show with my friend Julie Gladstone. She had a space at the time and she was just doing like art shows and she invited me to go do a show with her and I was like, okay, great. And she's continued on, but more as like a pop-up gallery now. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so I went out there and did the show there and then had a chance to just wander around in Toronto and check stuff out and getting to know Julie was really great. She's a She's Toronto, an artist. Toronto-based, yeah. Yeah, and she, you know, had a lot of connections, so we, I got to meet a lot of people, and yeah, it was really nice having almost like a best friend I hadn't met yet in yeah. another city. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's funny how art connections can be that oh, way. Man. It's yeah. very intense. I met her through Instagram. Oh, wow. Yeah. And That's she fun. messaged me, or she was commenting on my work, mm -hmm. and I really felt like a weird connection with her. I think visually on Instagram, you can. As an artist, you're like, I don't know why, but I think I like this person. And I just said, hey, if you ever want to chat on the phone, like, and she was like, yeah, let's do it. So we exchanged stories. And and is her work in a similar vein to no, yours? No, it's quite just totally abstract. Okay. Um, but... 
you know, she's done, she did a series of pieces called, like, The Secret Lives of Rainbows, Mm -hmm. so I feel like there's some connection in the way we kind of think about things, yeah. A little bit whimsical. Yeah, storytelling based. sometimes I hate that word, but... (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. It's kind of reached a fever pitch. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. 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 That's funny, I'm, uh, right now I'm about to go on another trip where I'm going to be traveling and teaching. Amazing. And, uh on a ship. I'm in a city for a day and that's it. And I've been reaching out through Instagram, finding artists that I'll be in those cities. interviewing in those cities as I go. So I've got like some of my people I've followed for eons. There's a painter in St. Petersburg that whose work I just love. She's Yuki on Instagram and wrote and right away got an answer back. That's the, so yeah. Great. And then all these different places. I just made this big matrix list of everywhere I'm going and, and I'm plugging in all my favorite artists from. Yeah. So, yeah. You need to uh, give me that list of places because I, <laughs> I might have some people that oh, perfect. I think. Yeah. I will do that. Because I also, I, I love looking at art on Instagram. Instagram mm-hmm. and Tumblr are just, yeah. it's like candy store for me. It yeah. is totally. Yeah. And have those been good avenues for you to get your work out there and what's what kind of things have happened for you because yeah. of social media um I think Instagram is great because it's you know one day you could be featured and suddenly all this stuff can kind of come from that so I remember one day it was just a really mundane Sunday I was doing laundry I was having some like digestive issues so I was like googling natural remedies just Sunday boring stuff and then I got a call from a friend who was like did you not see what happened on the internet today? And I was like, you're being really dramatic. What is going on? And Amy Sedaris had actually posted one of my paintings on Instagram. And for me, that was such a big deal because of all the famous people, I feel like a special kinship with her because she's such a weirdo. She's so funny. I really loved her comedy forever. So that was amazing. And I got a bunch of orders in wow. on that day. And yeah. what prompted it? Tell me more about this. This is wild. I, I, I would nothing. see you being a good... Plucked me out of obscurity. Oh, somebody else ordered a bowl. Is that what's happening? So. <laughs> so it's every time somebody orders this mystery... No, for the mystery bowl, they do the song. Okay. And the chanting. <laughs> this thunder, I don't know. <laughs> Maybe it's just Vancouver weather occasional yeah and for people listening we have steam billowing out of like a tiki head it is it is just a visual feast here let's just pause for a moment and look around I mean there's every square inch is a pattern or a leaf or a like I mean I've seen tiki bars before but this is yeah it's a thing of beauty I think the special magic about this place is like if you look up you can see that we're just basically in a space that's kind of got a metal ceiling but it's so dark and there's all these hut roofs and they're all lit really dimly so it feels very magical yeah Yeah. that's funny I didn't see that until just now but you're right it's a total industrial building yeah it is magic okay back to your art (laughs) (laughs) so Instagram Amy Sedaris that is just wild yeah and so that was a huge spike yeah and And that was just nothing nothing had really prompted that it was just out of the blue she spotted it and and, uh, away you go yeah right on yeah any other big moments in your career where you thought oh where did that come from um, well, I've been 
renting art to TV and film through art rental and sales mm -hmm. in the Vancouver Art Gallery. And so it's kind of, that's been kind of fun because people will contact me about seeing my art in the movie Fifty Shades Darker. Oh, fun. <laughs> They'll kind of bashfully, like people I've known yeah. at art school kind of bashfully over Twitter being like, um, so I was watching this movie. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, it was, it was my art. That's yeah, me. Yeah. yeah. Or a friend of mine was yeah. watching A lot a of ladies were messaging me and saying, I'm pretty sure I just saw your art in this movie. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> So that was really fun. And the cool thing about that was that the film purchased the artwork. They didn't just rent it. So yeah. that's nice. And I have other things that have been on long-term rental for different um, TV shows and things like that. Yeah. Like The Magicians, just like a Netflix yeah. show, I think. Yeah. yeah. Oh, fun. So what got you headed in this direction with your art? Well, I think it's kind of, I kind of just paint what I want. And I think that. I know that sounds really simple, um, but I think that when you sit down to paint, there's a lot of pressure to, like, a lot of thoughts fill your head. A lot of different voices are kind of coming in and saying, like, who's going to buy this or, you know, all this different kind of stuff. And it can be very intimidating. Mm -hmm. And so, like, one of my mantras is just, like, paint whatever you feel like painting. And it's something to come back to. And it's helped me to be much more expressive and kind of embrace like strange ephemeral ideas that are a little bit mysterious maybe conceptually like difficult to explain it's more of a feeling than an idea and I've just kind of followed that thread because I think part of it was like not really getting my art accepted right away out of art school is like well I'll just keep making my art I'll just keep doing what I do like if if I'm not having to work with someone and conform to like what is selling or anything like that, then I kind of have this like freedom to just keep being a weirdo and painting these kind of strange worlds. And so I just kind of kept down that path. And I really love things like science fiction, which is like taking these ideas of possible worlds and kind of making them more tangible for people. Mm -hmm. And it it provides like a kind of escapism, which I really like. Yeah. Yeah. It's got a little, and I, I hope you don't mind me saying no, this. No, go ahead. It's got a little Tim Burton feel to it. Yeah. And it's got a little of that sort of mystical, magical, yet dark. and Yeah. yeah. Shadowy, I, shadowy places, yeah. but not 100% yeah. evil. <laughs> and I love that when you got out of art school and started presenting your vision so many people when the audience doesn't respond they change their vision yeah but you chose to continue on and change your audience yeah yeah and I think part of that was just being really enamored with like the possibilities of what it meant to be an artist and that's kind of a liberating thing to be in yeah. general because I think that people expect you to do your own thing you know, certain expectations that are put onto people aren't always put onto artists. They're like, oh, it's fine. She's an artist. Yeah. She does her own thing. Yeah. And I think even simple things like 
when will you get married? When will you have a baby? Are not really questions that I've had to deal with with anyone. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I love that. Everyone's going to go rent an art studio yeah. right now. Back off, mom. I'm an artist. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. These are my babies. <laughs> yeah. And at what point did you know that you wanted to head in that direction? Were you one of the oh. kids who was born with a pack of crayons in their hand? or I was always really creative in a state of you know being in my imaginary world and I love to be creative and I love stories and writing stories and things like that but I think that like what happened was I graduated from high school and I had been an art kid in high school yeah but I never really felt really good at it or anything like that I just liked making it and then when I went to art college just after high school I took well it was just college but I took some art classes there. Mm-hmm. And, and this is at Kwantlen. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's when I was like, everything is telling me not to do this, that it's not practical, that it's like, what's the career choice in that? Oh, here goes the volcano. There it goes. <laughs> it's loud. It's, uh, <laughs> it's drink o'clock in the jungle. Yeah. <laughs> is that didgeridoo I'm hearing? It sounds like it. Although I don't see one. It might be digital didgeridoo. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, one more. More. There we go. It has subsided. So uh, what what was I saying? I think, yeah, everything was telling me not to pursue that. But I sat down and I made like a pros and cons list. And this is like fresh into into college. college. And because I had to decide what program I wanted to go into. And my pros and cons list was like, okay, well, maybe I can become a designer or maybe I can just pursue being an artist, whatever that means. And so it was like pros and cons of being a designer versus being an artist. And I just was like heavily loading the pros in (laughs) the artist column and loading up the cons. And I was like, you know what? I'm just going to keep taking art classes. Yeah. I love those lists for that reason, because you never actually figure the thing out. You only figure out your own bias. And your desire. Yeah. Yeah. What do you really want? How much do you want it? (laughs) So what was on the artist list? I think just being able to make whatever I wanted to make, because I knew that if I went into design, that it would be about working within certain kind of structures and working for other people. Mm -hmm. And even though I didn't know how to make it as an artist... I was much more interested in just the exploratory kind of aspect of being an artist. Yeah, cool. Yeah. Now you have these different galleries going, you've mm-hmm. got your art practice, you've mm-hmm. got your studio. What do you see being the next big frontier for you after the Reach show? What's your what do you envision? I don't really think that far ahead into the future. I'm really looking forward to kind of establishing, and I know it probably won't happen, but just establishing a little bit more of a routine. Because when I have like big deadlines like this, things tend to go pretty well for a while, and then like all routines fall into chaos near the end. And so right now, I feel like it's a pendulum swinging, so I get tired of having to work in that kind of chaos. I want more order. So I just think that for the next little while be like 
I don't want to be working towards any shows for sure. I want to be just working on my art and uh, maybe having some open studios, but really kind of keeping a, a low profile as far as exhibiting goes. Because I think that energetically it's, it's a lot to take on. And it, of course, it's really beneficial in so many ways. But I always look at it like, oh, I do some shows and then I'm sometimes like, I don't want to do any shows or talk about doing any shows for like at least a year. So what I want to do is just be painting without any, just building up inventory, but not for anyone in particular. Yeah. And are you a Monday to Friday, steady Eddie, come yeah, in and do the much. do? Yeah, um, But like I said, that routine gets into like a chaotic state when you're getting closer to a deadline. And then it's just every day and, you know, coming home at like 1.30 in the morning or yeah. <laughs> whatever. And it's not, it's not healthy to, to keep that, like, level of working for no matter what you're doing. Yeah. yeah. And so painting is the center of your world is what I'm picking yeah. up. Yeah. Do you have these outside kind of outlets where you do something else yeah <laughs> no no <laughs> <laughs> I don't <laughs> right now it's just the absolute center you know last year I got to go to Australia for a month and that was just like the biggest gift I didn't have to think about art I there was no way to make art while I was there I was just it was traveling not around. an art related amazing. trip it was yeah. just a vacation well I mean, we ended up going into some caves, which for me was really inspiring and something I wanted to do for art inspiration. Oh, okay. Um, but besides that, no. And trolling art uh, museum bookstores to yeah, exactly. discover that your book is there. That's <laughs> got to be a pretty cool feeling. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You went to Kwantlen right after high school. Yeah. So you were... On the path early, as far as artists go, a lot of artists will spend a little time on another career or they'll kind of segue yeah. in and segue out, but you were very directed. Yeah. Did you have some big artist role models in your life? What what kind of gave you that? You mean from a young age? I think my mom is like a very creative person. She's like always been very like uh, good at telling, like coming up with a story and telling a story or kind of shifting I think she's really responsible for a lot of my perspective on things um she would play all kinds of tricks on me really get me to engage creatively with the world of make-believe um what kind of tricks like like okay so when I was growing up there was like a really I was really into fairies and I totally believed in fairies because of my mom and she did this one thing where she like dyed the towel all the towels a different color and then just put them out like normal but then she told me she had been a really good mom and so the fairies had given her all new towels that kind of like oh, weird reinforcement wow. of like ideas <laughs> yeah and uh you know it was to the point that I would like go into the backyard and like catch them in my hands and bring them in to show my mom so yeah. it was like a very cool shared imaginary space mm -hmm. and yeah the way she thinks is a lot different from I think how a lot of other people think so it really gave me this access to exploring this kind of make-believe space mm -hmm. yeah and how has she been along your journey like she must be so excited to see oh, yeah, the successes you're yeah she's super proud mom yeah <laughs> are you an only child no, I have an older brother and a younger sister. And did your siblings go into creative 
careers as well? Uh, no, no, not really. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but I mean, my brother, he didn't go into a creative career, but he always was in bands, always. Yeah. And still is always in bands. So he, uh, you know, he collects guitars and he does that now more like as a hobby on the side. <laughs> yeah. So the payoff of creative freedom growing up. <laughs> okay. <laughs> We've got singing. We've got it all happening. Yep. So with your collectors, do you get a chance? Are you mostly selling through galleries or do you get to meet the people who are buying your work very often? I would say that I, I'm usually directly selling my artwork. I'm probably the best salesperson for my artwork. I think a lot of it has just been like a time thing. So I've just accumulated collectors over time and we have like long-standing relationships and so they just keep up with what I'm doing and continue to buy art and you know they invest in me they're my patrons really yeah yeah yeah, yeah. and that's got to be a great feeling it's too. a really great feeling and I think you know being an artist can be very lonely when you're constantly doing it it's very focused it's very quiet and so it's nice to feel like some of those people are along with you on your journey. Yeah. Yeah. Do you do much commission work? I don't. No, I don't like it. Yeah. I, I think it's better for me to create as like wildly as I want to create. And then it finds a certain niche of people who are, really love it. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that anytime I, I used to do commissions and anytime I did do commissions, um, People would just look at your artwork and then ask you to do something totally different mm-hmm. all the time. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like, this is You know fun. there are other artists, <laughs> yeah. right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. This is a very intimate drink. It is. To be sharing. <laughs> but a fun way to do yeah. it. Yeah. So do you have other book ideas that you would want to pursue? I think about that and I... I'm, I, I think I would need I would need to like take a sabbatical or like just like um, like a residency or something to really think only about that thing because books are such a different structure mm-hmm. and the way that I'm constantly thinking about my art and my business there really isn't room to dedicate towards okay I'm only gonna think about this thing in its entirety so I think I'm not closed off to it, but I don't see it happening anytime soon. I would love to do another book. Um, Maybe with like a big U.S. publisher. Yeah. (laughs) That would be great. Yeah. Yeah. If you're out there listening. (laughs) Make money. (laughs) Yay. Because your work is very... Narrative. It is very narrative. And, you know, to me, from what I have seen, it is almost that you are writing. Well... Something that happened recently uh, is that, so there's a bunch of writers who are responding to the work that we're doing um, in this upcoming show. The show is called Tales Untold. There's Susan Musgrave is going to be one of the writers and uh, Zuzi Gardner, whose work I discovered when I was like in my early 20s. She has a book called All the Anxious Girls on Earth. It's a bunch of short stories. They're wild. They're so great. So she chose me as the artist that she wanted to give a written response to for this exhibition. And I got to read what she wrote and it was mind blowing. It was incredibly creative. It was like very weird, totally like 
the perfect response to my work, I would say. And she was the perfect writer to be paired with my work. So I could see something like that. Like, I'm much more interested now in doing something collaborative with someone who's good at writing. Because the writing part, I'm not a writer, you know. I, I'd rather work with someone who is poetic and has strange ideas and maybe pair some artwork somehow with what they do. And this is the upcoming show at The Reach. Yeah, it's three artists. It's a huge space. So it's three artists, four writers. And some of the pieces are going to have little excerpts of like writing beside them. So instead of looking at the painting and then reading the title, you look at the painting and then you look over and read like a little piece of creative writing. Oh, wow. Yeah, it's going to be really interesting. Um, Yeah, and I'm going to be putting out like little pieces of Susie's writing um, just as little teasers so that people can understand what the show will be and kind of get a little feel. What a different show. And the other two, is it two other pairs? So two other visual artists and two other writers? Two other visual artists. Um, both of them work in a narrative style. So there's David a Kid and Chris Reed. Yeah. Yeah. Have you had much interaction with the other artists in the no, show? No, I have. I've met Davida. I've never met Chris. I'm excited to see how it all kind of comes together. When it does, send me a link so I can attach it to the show notes and people will be able to go through and take a look. Yeah. And if people want to look at your artwork, mm-hmm. they go to your Instagram feed. Yep. Or RebeccaChaperon.com. And on most of my social media, uh, it's just my name, Rebecca Chaperon, and that's spelled with a C-H-A-P-E-R O-N. Perfect. No E. Okay. <laughs> <The end. laughs> okay. We will have that yeah. in the show notes. And um, uh, the show is called Two Artists Walk Into a Bar. I don't have a punchline for you, but what I wanted to say that struck me as really funny is your husband's quote on your website. Because <laughs> I actually called my partner and I was like, I don't know what I need to like, how I should deliver this punchline. And he's so he's trying to help me out and think of something funny to say. And he, he just started laughing. And I was like, what's so funny? And she was like, well, her husband's quoted on this website as saying, I did all the work and I didn't even get a drink. <laughs> and we burst, just burst into laughter about that. So <laughs> You'll have to take a little sippy cup home. Yeah. <laughs> Here you go. Here's your drink. <laughs> yeah. Right on. Well, thank you for taking this time so to come welcome. and sit in this awesome place and introducing me to the, the shameful tea tea. Yeah. This is very fabulous. Perfect spot to sit and chat with you. Excellent. Okay. Thanks, Rebecca. Thank you. Listening to two artists walk into a bar. I'm your host artist, Carol McQuaid. For full show notes and all the links, head to twoartistswalkintoabar.com. If you liked the episode, remember to subscribe, sign up for updates, and leave us a review. And if you loved the episode, head to twoartistswalkintoabar.com and buy us our next round. Cheers. <laughs>